All right. Hello. Welcome to another installment of On Deck presented by Deep Dive Sports. My name is Greg and I'm joined today by Dominic. Hey, how's it going, everyone? Today, we're going to discuss a few topics, starting with the All-Star Game recap. Second is Shohei Otani, the real deal, or is he just a flash in the pan? What are the World Series predictions that Dominic and I have? Five players that could be traded at the trade deadline, before the trade deadline, or right around. We actually had breaking news today of a certain uh, player that we had on our list that got traded today. So we'll discuss that. And lastly, we'll discuss the kind of out of the blue, not out of the blue name change by the Cleveland Indians, the Cleveland Guardians. We knew it was coming. We just didn't know when they were going to announce it. And they mm-hmm. chose to do that on Thursday, Friday. Um, I think it was Friday, Friday morning. Friday morning. So. Mm-hmm. That was really interesting, and uh, I've got some things to say. I've uh, got a letter from Paul Dolan that I'm going to read from and and talk about that and what he kind of said regarding the name change. So let's start things off with a recap of the All-Star Game. The 2021 Midsummer Classic was won by the American League All-Stars, who took down the National League All-Stars 5-2 in Denver, Colorado, on July 13th. The result marked the eighth straight win for the AL over the National League in the All-Star Game. We know how important those wins in the All-Star Game is because uh, that can solidify home field advantage for the World Series. Obviously, it could have turned out a little bit differently. Uh, some of the players that we thought were going to be starting, especially for the National League, like MVP, presumptive MVP, Jacob deGrom, could have been starting pitcher for the National League, but he opted out. And that kind of argues back to I don't know if you remember Pedro Martinez in that 1999 Uh All-Star game where he K'd five in two innings and was just lights out, won the MVP for the All-Star game in that that year, but he was completely garbage after that start, and he he didn't really bounce back that for at least a week. We saw Vladimir Guerrero Jr. was named the game's most valuable player after going one in three with a out-of-the-world home run that so. 468 mm-hmm. feet, and that uh, allowed the AL to take a two uh, nothing lead. So I don't know, an interesting fact that I kind of found about this while I was watching the game is that Vladimir Guerrero Jr. added to the list of fathers and sons that have hit home runs in an All-Star game. Uh, he joins the Griffies and the Bonds as his father with him as the trio of fathers and sons that have hit home runs in an All-Star game. And it's just crazy to see you know, Vladimir Guerrero Sr. posting the pictures before the All-Star game and having little Vlad there. And it was just like, it's just it's kind of surreal to be like that that happens, that you know you can be this little guy on the field with your dad yeah. and then you, you turn into this this amazing, you know, batter in your own right. It's, it's amazing to see. And, you know, Vladimir Guerrero Sr. was always one of my favorite players growing up. So now getting to watch his kid play, what, what makes me feel a little old because I remember watching his dad. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I think it's you don't see a lot of father son combos. Um, I mean, like you mentioned, there's they were just the third pair to Homer in the All Star game. So I think that's that's really cool to see. I mean, you see, like the the really would like actually might be good for another episode of of fathers and sons and or you know family members that have played. You know, because there was the Ripkins, uh, the Boons, mm-hmm. uh, some of the other family members that have, that have played MLB together. So, continuing on with the All Star, uh, 
Shohei Otani was credited with a win after going one, two, three in his lone inning of action. Obviously, that makes up for his disappointing first round exit of the Monday night's home run derby. But if you yeah. watch that, they were just putting on a show. He had yeah. to have swung at 70 pitches, you know, 80 pitches hitting those. And to me, watching it all, that, that was, that was the best part of the home run derby was mm-hmm. those two going those. So that was really, obviously, Otani was pitching against, you know, Tatis Jr. and Max Muncy. So that was kind of cool to see. Max Scherzer countered Otani uh, for the National League. He saw the first three AL batters of the evening escaping without allowing a hit and dealing a strikeout. Corbin Burns of the Milwaukee Brewers was handed the loss in the All-Star game, having surrendered two earned runs to go two strikeouts and a walk and two innings of action. But, I mean, if you know anything about Burns, he's having a great season with the Brewers anyways. 4-4, yeah. uh, 2.36 ERA, so that's his that first All-Star Brewer- game. I don't think he's sad about that. No. That whole Brewers team is kind of surprising me for what their payroll is and who is on their roster. They're they're doing a lot better than... Yeah, and they seem to be every like three or four years, they, they seem to be doing this. Again, it's kind of cyclical with them that they'll sit out for a little bit and then they come back strong. And like you said, with that lower payroll, that aspect that you can still, in those small market teams, can produce these great, great players. So speaking of Shohei Otani, do you believe he is a real deal? Or do you believe this this is flash in the pan? He's just going to fizzle out after a couple more years and you won't really hear much of him. I think depending on how he continues to play, if he continues to be a pitcher slash batter, or if he just goes strictly to batting, if, if he just goes strictly to batting, I think he's you know obviously the real deal. I mean, the dude's leading the league in home runs right now, and he's got, what, 32 home runs, and we're not even in August yet. I mean, he he's hitting the cover off the ball. He's hitting for average too. He's getting on base. So offensively, I mean, he's arguably the best in the game right now. But if you look at his pitching, I mean, he, he's just an average pitcher. For being honest, he's got a three twenty one ERA, and I think his WHIP is like a one point sixteen. So uh, according to MLB stats, he'd be like the he has a thirty thirty third or thirty second ranked WHIP in the league, and he's not even top twenty five in innings pitched. So I mean. Just off of pitching, he's kind of just average, but his his offensive game is just out of this world. And, but we haven't seen a player like this decades, if not you know you know since the likes of Babe Ruth that somebody can be that two way type of player where they're they're batting and they're decent at pitching. Obviously, you said he's thirty third. Yeah. How many pitchers are out there in MLB? And yeah, do you I mean, think the, that it's something that he's going to? give one of those up like do you think he'll give up pitching and rely strictly on on his bat further on down the road or do you think he's going to continue to be that two-way player that we're seeing right now i think i mean he's 27 right now i can see him keep trying to do this two-way stuff for maybe three or four years but if he was to give either one of one of the two pitching or batting up he would obviously i think he would give up pitching i mean he is a good pitcher but i think his Offensive abilities far outweigh his pitching abilities. Well, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, he, you know, I I like his story, and and I I think that that he's plausible to to continue it for another couple of years. But I think down the road something's going to give, and like you said, pitching is going to be. You know, he's he's had a phenomenal career to start coming in, being 2018 American League Rookie of the Year, uh, 
you know, I found it interesting that the the team that let him out of the Nippon Professional uh, Pacific League, if they would have held on to him for like another year or so that he could have signed a non-rookie type contract through MLB and could have had a, like a 200 million multi-year contract. Um, but when they posted him up, he still falls under that under 25 rookie category. Yeah. So the, the signing rules. So his, uh, his bonus was, I think, capped at like 3.5 million because that's that limited, you know, rookie scale on salary. And then you had, I mean, everybody fighting over him. I think it came down to he picked Angels, the Dodgers, the Giants, Padres, Mariners. I want to say the Rangers and the Cubs settled with the Angels, who gave him a two point three million dollar signing bono. Yeah. Obviously, he's you know made history by becoming the first player selected uh, to an All Star game as both a position player and a pitcher. I mean, that alone. It's incredible. You're setting history. He was, uh, I think, voted. He's, is that correct? That he was voted on by the players to be the pitcher. Yep. And I just some of the things that I, I find really interesting, and and this is kind of what sparked my thing of like, can he be this just amazing person, and is he just you know the real deal? This this was over a week, like not even that, actually six days. This happened back in June, but it was still really interesting. You know, I read this article, and then I was like, I, it blew my mind that on Tuesday, June fifteenth. He homered. It was a 6-4 loss to Oakland, but still homered, so he had that. He had two hits, including another homer and a stolen base that next day on Wednesday. Thursday, he was a starting pitcher, and he threw six one-run innings against Detroit and drew two walks while uh, hitting second in the lineup. And on Friday, he was back at DH. He homered again twice after, or like hours after he was announced to be participating in a home run derby. And then Saturday, another homer. It was the first time in a hundred years anyone had hit five homers and picked up a win within a week. And then just as an exclamation point on all of that, that Sunday, he homered again. So I just, yeah. to me, it's just amazing what he's been doing right now. Yeah. I, I think he can hold on for a little bit and, and do that two way player, but we'll see. So moving on, what are your world series predictions, Dom? It's tough to say. Um, if we look at the, standings real quick the american league is it's so competitive right now it's so hard to pick hell even who i think the al's um cs could be let alone who could represent but i think as much as i hate houston i think they're built you know to compete for a title boston's doing a lot better than i thought they would but they, I, uh, they unfortunately out a win this win this afternoon with they were being no hit through seven innings and then came back to win 5-4 Yeah, in the eighth. It was amazing. But as much as it kills me to say, I think it's going to be Houston coming out of the American League. They're kind of showing everyone that they didn't really need to cheat in 2017. Because <laughs> I mean, their, their offense up until like the last week or so was just on pace to be one of the greatest offenses ever. And I mean, they, they hit a slump for a little bit. I think they're starting to turn it back around, but I mean, their pitching staff is still solid. Their bullpen's, you know, locked down. So, un- unfortunately, I think it's going to be Houston. Out of the National League, as good as San Francisco's been, I think they'll start to fall off a little bit. They'll still probably make, they'll still make the playoffs for certain. But Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. there's no denying. Oh, definitely. I, I still think it's going to be the Dodgers. 
um, coming out of the National League. They're they're too loaded. Uh, I know they got off to a little bit of a slow start at the beginning of the season, but they have turned it around, and they're they're as potent as ever. And depending on what they do at the trade deadline, I mean, hell, even if they stay put at the trade deadline and don't do anything, I still think they're going to win the National League. I mean, even with Bauer being out, uh, mm-hmm. they've still kept competitive. I mean, I mean, he's he's a dominant pitcher, and without that, that arm in the lineup, yeah, you thought that there would be a little bit of a drop, but you, you really haven't. So, so, so you're going Dodgers, go, uh, Houston, and then and then what do you say is going to be the winner? Oh, the man, that one. The storyline is going to be amazing. A, a rematch of the 2017 World Series with all the all the drama that ensued afterwards. But um, um, I'm going to go with the Dodgers, but it's going to be close. I, I think it's going to go to seven games. Okay. Obviously, uh, we have completely different opinions on this. So I think that you're going to obviously have Astros out of the West. It's guaranteed. Yeah. East is going to be the Red Sox with, I think, you know, your wild card being at least the Rays. But honestly, I believe the White Sox are going to be out of the Central. The way they're going and the potential for the for the White Sox right now as much as I want the, my Red Sox, because I'm a diehard Red Sox fan, but as much as uh, I think, I honestly, I think the White Sox are, are stacked, and especially if some things happen during the trade deadline, I think that they're poised to possibly win AL East pennant. The Mets are, are good to look at, and I think DeGrom's been, been fantastic. Obviously, Milwaukee is running away with the Central. There's seven games up on, on Cincinnati, so possibly see that. And San Francisco, I I honestly believe that that they're poised to to bring another NL pennant. And really? Yeah, I, I just the, the way I've been looking at it, and the way I've been really looking at, at their the wins, you know, the comfort behind wins, the, the the grinding that they've been doing, you know, they've continuously had, I think, along with the Red Sox, they've since June they've had continuously had the, that best record. You know? Yeah, they've been they've been playing around with obviously with Houston and and Boston and Tampa is keeping up with that that win count category. But I just I see the Giants, you know, they they went so many years doing it consistently. How many have they made it to how many World Series in a row? Three. Uh, I have three. And it seemed like every other year or every even numbered year they would win it. Yeah. So. My prediction is one of the socks. Let me put it that way. I'll, 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 get, I'll, throw, I'll give a shout out to one of the socks is going to come out of the AL. And I believe the Giants play one of those guys. And I think that it comes down to the Giants. And like you said, I think it's going to be a best of seven. Home field advantage has been key in a lot of these series over the last couple of years. But I see it being, being the Giants. That's okay. That's my take. Moving uh, on. Go. We'll go ahead. Oh, I'm just surprised by the Giants. I think I think they're a great Cinderella story. I just I don't know. I kind of didn't expect them to really do anything this season. And I mean, obviously, I think they have the potential to keep it up, but I don't know. Their their pitching staff kind of kind of worries me at times. You know, I mean, Johnny Cueto. I think he's he's been good, but he's maybe a little washed up. Um, I don't know if he can keep it going. Anthony Dees. Feeney, I can't pronounce his last name, but <laughs> he, he's been really good this year. Again, I don't know if he could keep it up. I mean, we'll see. Oh, they're going to be dangerous, but like you said at the beginning of the year, nobody really pegged them to be anything. And you know, 
I was looking at all the, the early predictions for, for World Series stuff dating back to like, was it March and April, just to see kind of what, what, you know, everybody's picking the Yankees. Everybody's like, they're too powerful. They've got these, and obviously they showed their cards or their, their bats can't, can't swing to save their lives. Right. So yeah, they're definitely a little, little, little come from behind. Well, we'll see. We'll see. You know, October is a long ways away. We've got lots of baseball to play over the yep. course of the next couple of months. So we'll see. It's definitely a great story. I like these uh, Cinderella teams. All right, moving on to trade rumors. Uh, what do you think are going to be some big trades before the trade deadline and or before what's just happened? Yeah, um, yeah, I had to change my list a little bit because um, I had Adam Frazier on my list and I was driving home uh, tonight and I got the news that he was just traded. So I'm like, crap, I got to you know change my list a little bit. <laughs> but I think Max Scherzer is going to be on the move. Um, the Nationals have been kind of disappointing this year. And with the amount of money that Scherzer's making, and I think he's got control for a couple more years, but I think the Nationals are kind of starting to accept that they're going to have to rebuild a little bit. Or maybe not rebuild, but retool. And Scherzer's definitely not on the upswing of his career. Um, I think he's, what, 36, 37? Yeah, maybe 37. Yeah. A uh, team that is going to trade for him, that's, they're going to be a team that's either already a contender or maybe one piece away, and then they can maybe make a push. A couple teams I got maybe trading for him, team that you just mentioned going to the World Series, the Giants, um, kind of bolster that starting rotation. I mean, they got Cueto, Gossman, and Anthony, but other than that, I mean, their four and five is kind of weak. They got a couple guys on the IL right now. They're the number one team in the NL at this point so going out and getting someone like Max Scherzer to kind of frontline your rotation definitely not a not a bad move to make but I think the Red Sox can also trade for him kind of solidify that rotation even more than it already has been um, yeah, with, with Sale coming back that that adds a little different dynamic to their starting pitching if he continues with his rehab stuff I think that that's a little more taken off the table than than others there's just so many questions with him. One, I don't think he pitched at all last year, and he hasn't pitched at all this year. I mean, I know it's Chris Sale and he has the history, but they don't really know what they're getting with him when he does come back. So maybe getting someone like Max Scherzer could be a security blanket, and if Sale comes back and he's good, well, then you, your pitching rotation's going to be unstoppable. But um, if he comes back and he's not so good, at least you got Max Scherzer. But a, t- a team that I think needs to trade for him would be Toronto. Their offense is <laughs> unbelievable. Um, they're young. They hit for power. They hit for contact. One of the best offenses in the game. But their pitching staff is kind of, um, it leaves a lot to be desired at times. So I think going out and getting Max Scherzer to help with their pitching to kind of complement their incredible offense would be a smart move for them because I think they could be a wild card team and if they go and get Max Scherzer then I mean all bets are off. I mean they'll still be a wild card team but they can be a dangerous wild card team. Yeah, I mean Toronto's only four back from mm-hmm. from wild card contention. So that's really possible. It's funny the what I was kind of you know looking up is that um what do you think about Houston picking him up? I don't know if they have the pieces to trade for him. Uh, it's gonna take a lot to go get him and I don't think I don't think they're going to want to trade some MLB players already on their roster to get them because I don't think they really have any guys in their farm system that could 
kind of entice the Nationals to trade for him or to, to let him go. But I think another team that could trade for him might be the Padres. Um, over the last couple of years, they've probably been the most aggressive team in free agency in the trade deadline. I mean, they've shown that they're not afraid to trade top prospects because I mean, they're, they're trying to win right now. Um, and they got a handful of guys that are you know top 15, top 20 MLB prospects. So if, if they're going all in, you know, this year and next year, then I could see them trading some of their top uh, prospects and going to get Max Scherzer. Who else you got then? I got Chris Bryant. Right. I think the Cubs are all now mode. Um, <laughs> the clearinghouse that is the Cubs. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you look at what they've done, you know, they're disappointing this year, obviously. Um, but I think the core that they've had has kind of run its course. So I think they're going to try to move some of these top guys before they hit free agency. I know Chris Bryant has a couple more years of control under his belt. So his trade value is going to be through the roof right now. And it's probably never going to be any higher than what it is right now, considering the season that he has. So I can see the Dodgers making a move for him. I mean, they're already loaded, but going to get someone like Chris Bryant who can play third, first, and I think they can move him to the outfield if needed. Um, obviously he's, you know, one of the better bats in the game, but he also has some versatility to that offense. So if they need him to, you know, play outfield, uh, I, I couldn't even tell you who the right fielder for the, uh, Dodgers is at the moment, but they can move him out to right. They can move him to first, move him to third. A team like the Yankees, I could see maybe making a move for him. I don't think it's in the Yankees nature to, to be sellers. I think they're, they're a team that will never admit that they need to retool. So they're just going to buy until it kind of works out for them. Yeah. Eventually so I, something's going to stick. Right. Yeah. You know, once their payroll is up to you know, $500 million, they might win something, but I think they'll, they'll do whatever it takes to get Chris Bryant. They don't care about prospects over there. Um, so they'll, they'll trade anyone and they just want to, you know, make a big splash. I think the Mets can trade for them too. Um, their season's kind of, it's been good, but they've had some injury problems. Um, I know Lindor's on the IL right now. He's kind of had a really yeah. disappointing season. Um, so getting someone like Bryant, I mean, I obviously can't replace Lindor at shortstop, but he can add production to an offense that we thought was going to be more productive than it has been. Yeah, I mean, he's a solid bat regardless of right. position. Yeah, and I mean, their their pitching has been good. They're They're going to win the NL East. So getting, you know, Chris Bryant's bat to get ready for the um, playoffs, I think, is a smart move on their part. But I do have maybe Houston making a move for them. Their offense obviously is absolutely insane. But I mean, if you get Chris Bryant, you stick him out in in right field or probably a DH because, you know, I don't I don't see how you sit someone like Kyle Tucker. You're not gonna sit. Um, What's the third baseman's name? Oh, I'm, I'm drawing a blank on the third baseman's name, um, but I know he's one of the best in the game. The only position on the field that I can see him playing in Houston would be first, but most likely just going to be a DH. It's not likely to happen, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if it does. Okay. Third on my list, I got Joey Gallo, um, the power hitting right fielder slash DH from the Rangers. Um, I got the White Sox most likely going to trade him uh, for him. Their offense is already solid. 
I know they have Eloy Jimenez coming back soon, um, and he's been a good power hitter for him for the last couple of years. But if I would much rather, if I was the White Sox, I would much rather go get Joey Gallo, who's a proven power bat, than relying on someone that's coming back from injury. Correct. Um, he's never had any injury issues. He'll strike out a lot, but dude hits bombs all day. That's all he does is hit bombs. Then maybe the Indians. I know they're not really buyers. Um, I don't think they're going to be buyers, but he does have the rest of this year and all of next year under his contract. So if they're building for next year, because I think the, the roster's already bottomed out in terms of payroll. So the only way that it can go is up. So getting someone like Joey Gallo who can play right, which has kind of been um, a black hole for the Indians this year, both offensively and defensively, not a bad move because um, he would probably be our best. <laughs> he'd be our best outfielder by far. Um, and he, he'd add some power to the to the lineup along with Franville Reyes because they're Reyes, Ramirez, and you know potentially Gallo would be a pretty nice one one two three combo. Oh, completely. Yeah. Then going back to the Yankees again, <laughs> they're <laughs> they're gonna keep buying until something works. Aaron Judge has kind of been disappointing. John Carlos Stanton's been disappointing and has been injured a lot. Um, so they're not really getting the production offensively that they need, and the the power is just gone. Um, yeah, I mean, so, it's, it's somebody like somebody deflated the entire teams. Yeah. It's inconceivable to see. If you look at their lineup on paper, it's it's lights out. And then yeah. to see the production that they've been able to put on, on the field is, like you said, severely. Yeah. So I think bringing Joey Gallo in would be a fresh base. He's obviously one of the better power bats in, in the game. It would potentially revitalize that offense, you know, bring a little bit of consistency to an offense that has been very inconsistent all year. Um, and then my fourth team trading forum would be the Dodgers. You know, they're having a little bit of a tighter race in the National League than I think that they thought that they would have. So especially if the Giants were to go out and get Max Scherzer, adding another bat to that lineup would be a huge plus for them because I know Cody Bellinger has kind of had a disappointing season. When he's been on the field, he hasn't been the Cody Bellinger that we all know, but he has been injured a lot. So he hasn't really been the reliable piece that we all thought that he could be at the moment. So going to get Joey Gallo to add some power where they kind of unexpectedly lost some power would be a huge plus for them, especially in the playoffs. Fourth on my list, I got Trevor Story. At this point, I think everybody knows that he's going to be gone. It's just who's going to pull the trigger and <laughs> go to go to get him. Um, but I could see a team like the A's going to get him. They have a bunch of prospects. They're doing very well in the American League West. Um, I think right now they hold them. The A's currently hold the number one wild card spot. Their offense has been good. Adding Trevor Story would be a huge upgrade, both offensively and defensively, to the A's. They'd be able to stay competitive with um, Houston in the AL West. And I I think it would really make them maybe not so much a contender, but a team that could, you know, maybe upset some some teams. Yeah, Billy Bean uh, has been consistent with his ability to put players into places where they can uh-huh. have the most production value out of anyone. I mean, we've all seen the Moneyball movie and we've all seen, this, yep. you know, heard these stories of what he's been able to do. Yeah, I... He's a smart GM. He knows what he'd be able to give up to get him without giving up too much and overpaying for him. But I mean, adding that 
power to an offense that has surprised some people with the power that they already have, I think that would be amazing, especially hitting at that ballpark, which is tends to be more of a hitter's ballpark. Um, they got the White Sox also maybe trading for him. I know they have Tim Anderson. Um, but I mean, do you move, you can, you can platoon them a little bit or move one of them to DH. Cause I know I would probably say Tim Anderson has a better glove than Trevor Story does. So maybe not, move Trevor. Not, not by much though. Not by, not by much. They're, they're both very good defensively, but how maybe they see if Trevor Story is willing to move the second or, or something, maybe stick him at DH. But, you know, the, defensively, that's not really what, when you trade for Trevor Story, you're not, trading for his glove you're he's more known for his power and his offensive abilities correct so wherever they decide to play him on the field you know they'll work that out but getting that bad in that lineup is going to be huge i could see a team like the reds also trading for him i know they're kind of out of the the race for the nl for the nl central but they're still right in it for the wild card so i think their pitching starting to turn around luis castillo is remembered how to pitch after having a <laughs> uh, first half. I know Sonny Gray just got rocked today, but he's uh, finally back. I know he was injured for a little bit. So the, the pitching staff is is coming back, and you've, you've had some pieces offensively that have surprised some people. But if you add Trevor Story to that lineup with a pitching staff that's getting healthy again, I think they could be a dangerous team coming out of the um, wild card. And then um, number four got the Mets. Um, Lindor has been disappointing. He's injured right now. Adding Trevor Story adds some versatility to the offense, but it also gives them a security blanket. Don't really know if they'd be willing to pay him long term, but you know maybe for a, a year or half a year. I forgot how much he has left on his contract, but for a temporary rental, I think I think that'd be a smart move for them, especially if they're serious about contending this year. Number five, I did have Adam Frazier, but he is now on the Padres. Not sure yet what the Padres had to give up to get him, but he will be heading out west. But the last person that I have that's going to be traded, um, again, the Cubs continue their sell-off. I think they're going to trade Craig Kimball. I mean, he's kind of come back to life this year after having, I think last year was kind of disappointing for him. Like he's he's one of the best relievers in baseball, and the, the value that they, the Cubs would be able to get for him would be amazing. So the Yankees may be continuing their buying spree. The Rollis Chapman's kind of fallen off a cliff. Well, the whole Yankees organization's kind of fallen off a cliff, but their their pitching staff has been awful this year, especially with the Rollis Chapman kind of forgetting how to pitch. So adding Craig Kimber will, will add some stability to that bullpen. Um, I can see the Red Sox making a move and getting them. Yeah, going going back to the Sox after you know a couple of years. Yep, um, I think that would be smart for them. I mean, postseason you need pitching. Um, offense can get you to the playoffs, but pitching's what's going to win you a World Series. So adding Craig Kimbrell to that bullpen would be absolutely incredible. But I think he is most likely going to go to the Giants. Okay, they're they're going to want to stay competitive with the Dodgers, who have made up some ground. I think they're only two games back. I think they, they have a good core offensively, but now's the time to be buyers and really bolster that pitching staff. Their bullpen's been all right, but they don't have anyone like Craig Kimball on that in that bullpen. So go get I mean, him. And he's shown that he's got, you know, championship pedigree. 
right with what he's accomplished in his career. So I definitely see that. Yeah. And if I'm a pitcher, I'd much rather pitch in San Francisco than Wrigley Field. You know, <laughs> um, it was an AT&T park now. Um, I forgot what they recently renamed the stadium, but that's very much a pitcher's ballpark. Um, it's kind of forgiving to pitchers, very forgiving to pitchers. So if, if I'm Craig Kimball, that's where I would want to go. Um, and if I'm the Cubs, that's probably the organization that's probably going to be able to give you the most to get him. I'm not too up on the Red Sox farm system, but I know the Yankees don't have that great of a farm system. So I think out of these three teams, the, the giant farm systems rated the best. It's a bit um, of a long-winded list. but <laughs> let's no, it, was, it, was, it was a great list. I, I actually had, uh, I think, three of your your five on my list, so I kind of had to retool my list a little bit. But I'm also going to start with the clearinghouse that is the Cubs and Anthony Rizzo. Okay. Yeah, I can see him going, too. He's a phenomenal first baseman. He's a great bat. And I think that the, he has got the potential to to be impactful right off the get wherever he goes. You, know, yeah. you, you plot him in, and he's going to do that. My hope or my destination, I would love to see him go to the Red Sox. Uh, they are in dire, desperate need. Yeah, they are. Yeah, for a first baseman, uh, a quality mm-hmm. first baseman. Uh, they're they're putting a couple different guys out there right now that just aren't aren't ready for that position and. I think that, that he could be impactful and just be a, an amazing right away. Not only with his bat, but his glove too. I mean, he is defensively one of the best first basemen in the game. And that's what's just really sad when you think about the Cubs, that they've got all these pieces that you've shown are championships contenders. And, and they've got all these pieces and it's just working out and stuff. And, you know, whether I don't think it's, it's uh, David Ross. I think that, you know, you talk to the, the you know the Cubs as a whole, and they they say that he's been a fantastic manager, and he's a player's manager, and that they love playing for him. But they're just their production. They have those chips, you know, these these pieces, and it's just not there. So it's just yeah. a little sad. So Anthony Rizzo could possibly go to the Yankees as well. Um, like you said, that there's is you know their their cash is is always flowing and. Mm-hmm. If they can buy those championships, they will. And a person like that, like you said, offensively and defensively has the ability to be impactful right away. So one of those two teams, I don't really see him going anywhere else other than that. I'm thinking it's probably going to be the Yankees over the Red Sox just because yeah. it just tends how that plays out. Second on my list is Jonathan Shoup of the Tigers. He's a first base um, slash second base guy. Again, if if the Sox can't get Rizzo, I think that they're going to get Shoop from the Tigers. He is not as offensively dynamite as Rizzo is, but uh, defense at that first base position has been lights out. He's a great guy, so I, I think that's something that could possibly be for him. Third on my list is Starling Marte, mm-hmm. uh, outfielder for the Marlins. I see a guy like that possibly going to the Astros. I mean, he's yeah. having a great year this year. 289 batting average. He's got a lot of character. He fits in with, with kind of those guys of what that, that type of personality I think that the Astros have. So I think that that's, that's a good fit for him. Yeah. He, he would add a lot of speed to that, to that lineup too. 
which I mean, with their, their power, you add his speed to that. That's that's going to be dangerous. Also on my list, C.J. Crone, first baseman for the Rockies. Mm-hmm. Um, Padres seems like a good fit for him. He's more the stereotypical platoon master. He definitely fits nicely into the, like the San Diego concept uh, of the game. So I think that that seems like uh, a good possibility for them. And obviously, San, or San Diego is more favorable to righties. Yeah. See that next on my list, Jesus Aguilar, uh, okay. first baseman for the Marlins, possibly the Brewers. Again, they've got those pieces, but I think that that would be a nice addition for them and add a different aspect to them. Obviously, the first basemen are um, quite prevalent this year for, for <laughs> availability, and there's a lot of teams that could possibly go out and get him. What do you think about Zach Davies? Interesting. That's that's not really someone that I figured could be would be on the market. Again, it's this clearinghouse that that is the the Cubs. Yeah. I think somebody like the Mets would be a really good fit for him. You know, obviously DeGrom is, is on the IL and, and we don't know if he's going to last throughout the, the entirety of the season. Yeah. Syndergaard's yeah. on the IL. I don't know what they'd be able to get out of him. Um, he's six and six with a 430 ERA. I think temporarily he could add, you know, some stability to that rotation, but probably move him to the bullpen once the playoffs come around and the um, rotations storing up a little bit. It'd be a good depth add, you know, for someone like the Mets. Yeah, I, I think that that might be a pretty smart move for them to make. I I didn't really consider him getting traded from the Cubs. Yeah, and then I think that they're going um, Javier Baez. I think I think they're going to entertain the idea of trading him, and they're going to see what they can get for him. But I don't think that I don't think anybody's going to be able to pull the trigger with what what they would have to give up to get a player like him that's a powerhouse, you know, offensively, defensively, he's he's just a phenomenal shortstop. I I'd love to see him on any number of teams because like I said, you know, the same with what I was talking yeah. about with, with Rizzo's that I think he's an impactful day one. You know, he's a good clubhouse guy and I just don't see a team having that much yeah. to give in return. I think that the price on him would be way too high that any team would want to pay. But also I don't really see the Cubs um, kind of tearing it down to the studs and rebuilding. If I'm them, I mean, Baez is someone that I would build around. Um, they have money. I think they're just ready to kind of start over. I think the core that they have is run its course, um, which happens. I mean, you have a group of players together for a certain amount of time. Eventually, even though they're great players, it's just not going to work anymore. So I think they're going to retool. I think they'll probably be big spenders in the offseason in free agency. So if, if I were them, I would be more inclined to keep him unless someone is willing to just absolutely unload their farm system and get him. Yeah, it, it's definitely going to be interesting. And obviously we have till 31st, so we've got yeah. uh, six more days. Yep. Six more days. So obviously by the time we return with episode four of On Deck, have a completely different lineups for a lot of different teams and we'll see yeah. if any of these predictions actually worked out so moving on to our final topic of today this was like we discussed earlier on in, in the podcast the name change of the cleveland indians to the cleveland guardian what's your take on that dom um i understand the reasoning for the change 
Um, I know people are a little upset about it. Um, I've always been of the notion that I really don't care what the team is called. I mean, you, you can name it whatever, whatever, whatever you want. As long as we have an MLB team in Cleveland, that's really all I care about. I mean, you, you can throw them out there with all like pink uniforms and pink hat and I'd still, you know, go root for them. They can just be looking absolutely ridiculous out there, but I like the name Guardians. I think it represents the city well. Now they're named after the Guardians of Traffic on the Hope Memorial Bridge there. The logos may be a little cheesy. You know, they got the G with the baseball and the, the wings on it. Overall, I think it's a, a good move. I mean, the name Indians, I know they, they've been the Indians for, what, 105 years. Yeah. But, I mean, what I don't, I never understood the naming of the team. I know people think that they were named after a former player that was Native American. But that player actually played for the Spiders, which was a completely different organization. So I, I forgot the, the history and why they were named the Indians, but it wasn't named after a player. Now, it doesn't really represent the, the city at all of Cleveland. You know, if you think Indians, well, Native American people, you know, live throughout the whole continent, you know, <laughs> that, that doesn't really represent anything about the city. At least the Guardians, you know, people outside of Cleveland may not understand the reference, but um, people that are from Cleveland, live in Cleveland, understand that name. And I think it represents the city well. The colors aren't changing at all. The uniforms are going to stay relatively the same. They're just switching out Indians for Guardians. Um, yeah, even even the script is going to be the exact same. So yeah, so I mean, if you're watching a game, you know, you're not really going to be able to tell the difference. You know, the players are pretty much going to be the same. The stadium's going to be the same. The only thing that's different is the name. Um, so I've I've never put too much weight behind a name because I mean it doesn't really affect my day to day life at all. I just yeah. care that you know we have a team. Yeah, I read a tweet today that that somebody was tweeting some random person tweeted you know guardians is just the dumbest name for a team that makes no sense and what what, what is that about the other and the yeah. reply to the tweet was there are teams literally named after colored socks don't <laughs> tell me that there's a pointlessness to the you know to the name obviously paul dolan came out with with the letter to the fans you know stating mm -hmm. that and 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 I'll read this verbatim. In searching for a new brand, we sought a name that strongly reflects the pride, resiliency, and loyalty of Clevelanders. Guardians embodies those defining attributes while drawing upon the iconic Guardians of uh, standing in just front of Progressive Field and on the Hope Memorial Bridge, like you said. Um, brings to life the pride Clevelanders take in our city and the way we stand for each other while defending our Cleveland baseball family. And he goes on to say that he acknowledges that the, the name change will be difficult for many of them, but transition takes time. And so we'll yep. get used to it. Like you said, being on, you know, being in the stands and seeing that same script and maybe a couple of letters change, it's not going to really affect too much. Right. And at the end of the day, you know, the Indians are, are private business. They can name their organization, whatever they want to name it. And that they, they, I think they surveyed like 200,000 fans or something like that. And, you know, they pick, you know, the name that won the most support. You're never going to be able to, you know, make everybody happy, but they went with the name that, you know, most people that took the survey, you know, thought would be the best name. So they, they, they took input from the fans. They made what they thought was the best decision and would be the most seamless transition to a new name. At the end of the day, the product on the field is not going to change much. Um, the Dolans are still going to own the team. 
stadium's still going to be there. They're still going to be playing baseball, which, again, is all I care about. I think I read 140 hours of interviews with fans and community mm-hmm. leaders. And the fact that they took into consideration the true fans in the city of Cleveland and what, what they into heart when it was a testament to, you know, that leadership group and what, what they were really wanting to do, what's best for the team, what's best for Cleveland, what's really best for baseball. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think it's going to be, you know, painful at first. It's going to be weird to see guardians instead of, but you know, two weeks into the season, we're all going to be used to it. Um, we'll all get over it. Life goes on. <laughs> you know, it's, it's as simple as that. Yep. With that being said, life does go on, but this podcast does end. So I wanted to thank you, Dominic, for sitting in uh, for the third installment of On Deck, presented by Deep Dive Sports. So my name is Greg. Dom, we'll see you next time. Hey, everyone. Thank you for listening. If you would like to hear more, feel free to listen to past episodes and look for new ones every Friday. And don't forget to follow us at deep.dive.sports on Twitter instagram and facebook for any update and please let us know what you would like us to take a deep dive into next as always we are deep dive sports until next time